Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. What a treat. Before the Laker game starts, sitting in the studio with me is the great Michael Thompson. Without a doubt, my favorite basketball player. Sure, right. Because we're joined at the hip. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but I think you had other favorites like Will Chamberlain. There's yeah, that's a picture true. of you and Wilt true. up in your office. That's right. Yes. It's awesome to, to learn about the game from professional athletes that – there's a level of it that you don't really appreciate as a fan that you can only learn. It's it's hilarious. I if I ask you, Michael, what you ate for breakfast yesterday, you you might have trouble telling me. Mm-hmm. But if I ask you about 25 years ago, third quarter, three seconds to go, you're gonna remember exactly yeah. what everybody wore, what they were playing, what they did, and it's amazing the memory that a professional. Yeah, athlete has. That's true, but you as as great as it is to remember all the victories, you remember the losses more. Yes. Because they hurt more than it feels good to win. And I, Mike Singletary said it best. I mean, this is the best quote I've ever heard about uh, an athlete and what the game meant to him and uh, what it felt to play. And he said, they asked him what was the thing he was most grateful for. And Singletary won a Super Bowl, of course, played with those great Chicago, that great Chicago Bear team that some people think was the greatest team of all time, if not the greatest defense of all time. And he simply said, and it's true, and it made me think about it too. And I always kind of felt this way, but I didn't say it as, as um, eloquently. Pr- eloquently as he said. And I said, Mike, what's the best thing about playing professional sport, about being an athlete? He said, you know what? The opportunity to play. That means God has blessed you with a body healthy enough to play, You've been blessed with skills healthy enough to play. And that's in any sport. You don't have to be a pro athlete. You can be a high school player, boy or girl, but yet you have a body that's healthy enough to go out there and compete. Because there are so many people in this world who have, as you, as you know, have, uh, have uh, illnesses that can't, uh, don't have healthy bodies. And we take for granted sometimes when we're healthy. Right. And um, I remember after you gave me my hip replacement and for a few weeks, you know, it takes time to recover. Yep. Just to be able to get out of bed on your own, yeah. just to be able to sit on the toilet without any right. difficulties, just to be able to go up and down stairs. I couldn't go upstairs in my house for a month because I wasn't allowed to. Just the fact to be able to climb stairs freely, you just take things, the, the ability to move. Yes. We take it for granted. And we just and it reminds you to be so thankful that you have a healthy body that you could just do natural, normal things. Well, this brings me to the soundbite I'd like you to listen to. And again... You're allowed to be politically correct, and I'm not interested in throwing anybody under the bus, but I heard this on the morning show with Keyshawn Johnson, Mike Greenberg going on a rant, because clearly there's a Laker game today, there's two more games to go, but you do have to think about the standing for the playoffs. It's all about winning a ring. So listen to this Mike Greenberg rant uh, about LeBron James. 
Nothing is more important than playing a game. You have a game. Don't tell me to care about your games if you're telling me you don't. Don't tell me I should get excited about these games if you're telling me you don't. You're not excited. It's more important to raise the banner. Anyone can raise the banner. We came to watch a game. We came to watch you play. You're the best player. Now, again, I don't like doing this when it comes to LeBron because LeBron traditionally has not load managed. But at the end of the day, it is just a perfect microcosm of what has gone wrong here. The players have decided the regular season doesn't matter. To me, it's not fair to... I appreciate being able to ask the tough questions. I mean, I guess you could ask LeBron, is this really about pain and and you just don't feel 100%? Or is it the fact that it's better for us to not play the Clippers right away? You know what I mean? It's... I agree with him, but then I don't agree with him. No, I agree with him, not on LeBron's case, because LeBron is coming off an injury, and Correct. maybe he's not 100%, so we got to trust him, because LeBron's a gamer. Right. He, he's a competitor. He does play. He doesn't miss games. Right. And if he says he's not ready, you got to take him at his word. Correct. I have no problem with that. He's and, earned that. Yeah, but I get upset when guys are perfectly healthy, and they go, ah, I'll take the night off when you're a star. If you're a role player, I don't care. But when you are the face of a franchise – or the all-star in that team, the legend on that team, you need to play. Kobe Bryant had that attitude. Michael Jordan had that because they understood they had a responsibility. People are paying. Yeah, I know it says Chicago Bulls on the jersey. I know it says New York Knicks. But when I go to a game, I'm going to watch Patrick Ewing. I'm going to see Michael Jordan. I'm going to see Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I know the other guys on the team, too, and I want to see them. But the main reason why I'm taking my kids to that game and spending 1000 bucks or $500 or 300 bucks or whatever is I want to see that star play. That's the way I feel about baseball, too, when the stars decide, oh, I'll take the day off. I don't feel like playing today. I just need the rest. No, you got to understand, superstar, people are paying to come see you, and this may be their only time to be able to see you because this is all I can afford. I remember one time I was going to Dodger Stadium because my son wanted to see Ken Griffey play. That's he, uh, Trace, he was about 13, 14, and he wanted to see Ken Griffey. That's the reason why I went to the game. I drove all the way up there to go take him to see Ken Griffey play. Not the Cincinnati Reds. He wanted to see Ken Griffey. And sure enough, we were there early, and we were waiting, 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 and we never saw Ken Griffey. Didn't oh. come, no, he didn't come off a pregame, didn't come off for nothing. And I'm sitting there going, I cannot believe we waited, we waited all this time to come up here to see Ken Griffey play. This is my son's idol, and he's not going to play today. This is the only chance he's going to see him, you know, for this season anyway. But sure enough, as soon as the uh, when the uh, batting lineups came out, Ken Griffey's name was in the lineup. I went, thank God. Can you imagine if he didn't play? That's, that's how you have to think as a star. This, yeah. People are coming to see you. Now, LeBron's case, he's a bit hurt, so he needs to wait until he's 100%. So Mike Greenberg's wrong this time about LeBron. But LeBron, when he's healthy, doesn't really take – only if he's beat up or sore, he needs to take a day off. Now, some guys are rare. Kobe never took a night off, as we know, unless right. he tore something or, right. or, or broke something. Right. He didn't care how sore and tired he was, he was playing. Michael right. Jordan had the same – Magic Johnson had the same attitude, too. Some guys are like that. Some guys prefer, uh, I think I'll just – 82-game schedule, I'll play in 70 of them. Uh, that's wrong if you're healthy. So you sat down in the studio with me, and I'm so delighted to have you here in front of me. And the first thing you said is how the wins are great for a professional athlete, but it's the losses that stick with you. And as a surgeon, yes, 16,000 people running around, great. I remember the inside of every single one of them because, trust me, the artery, the nerve is never exactly where it's supposed to be, and I remember those moments. So I want to ask you, 
That drive that we see in Michael Jordan, that we see in Kobe, in Michael Jordan and in his Hall of Fame speech, when he actually has the chutzpah, the Yiddish term, to bring his high school coach who cut him from the high school team to tell him, I bet you're wondering why you're here today. In the case of Kobe Bryant, we never hear much about his dad. Jelly Bean Bryant. We know this, that he grew up in Italy because, obviously, his dad was not playing in the NBA. Do you think that that is the being cut from the high school team part of Kobe Bryant that fired him up, that how privileged it is to be in the NBA? Do you think that comes from watching his father play in Europe? Oh, yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. He grew up around the game. He developed a passion for the game quickly. That happens in a lot of these young players' games, uh, players, athletes, whether it's in baseball, football, whatever sport they are, following their father's footsteps. They grew up in the game, and they learned about it at an early age and obviously were introduced to it, and they got a passion for it. Now, sometimes that doesn't work. Look at Michael Jordan's kids. They tried, but they weren't both of them, Jeffrey Jordan and the other one, I forget his name. They both played high school b- basketball and played uh, sparely or a little bit in college, but you know, and they, they liked the game, but they didn't have to, the, the talent or the drive to stick with it to try to make it to the NBA and follow in their father's footsteps, but it is an advantage when you have a parent. I guess in any business, whether even if parents are a doctor in the medical field, you say, I want to be like dad or mom, right. and that's sometimes you see children following their parents in the medical field, so that's, that's all part of the influence of being a, a child of an athlete. Do you think then the road for Clay Thompson, your son, was that much more difficult because he was being compared to you? What what drove Clay to such heights? I think it's easier. It could be a little bit hard too because they compare the kids to their fathers, especially if their fathers are legends. Right. You know, if Jeffrey Jordan was compared to Michael. Uh, I'm sure Bronny James are going to be is going to be compared to his dad, even though Bronny's a good player in his own right. So in that way, it could be difficult being mm-hmm. compared to your father. But Clay has exceeded my career a million fold, infinity fold. So he doesn't have to worry about being compared to me. I need to be compared to him. <laughs> but uh, it, but then again, it makes it easier for kids, boys or girls, to maybe get to a certain level because they're around their parents who can show them the right way, and also other legends. Right. They don't have Clay didn't have to listen to me. He could go talk, get advice from Kobe, which he did. He could get advice from Clyde Drexler, which he did. He got advice from Rasheed Wallace, who's a was was a great player, which he did. He was around those kind of guys, so he didn't always have to hear it from me saying do this, do that, because he had legends telling mm-hmm. him do this, do that. And so he took, he, so he listened to, he probably listened to them more than me. How appreciative I can only imagine you must be of the moments that Clay got to spend with Kobe. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was so grateful. Kobe was like that with all the young players, not just Clay because he was my son. He was like that with. With obscure or anonymous players, taking time to speak to them, to advise them about the game, to give them advice, give them advice and tips. But he definitely did that for Clay. Treated him uh, with a lot of respect when Clay was a little high schooler trying to find his way. Clay was he was Clay's idol. So for Clay to be around him, be able to work out with him over at uh, UC Irvine, that's where Kobe used to go work out. And sometimes Clay would be in the gym and Kobe would be in there with him. One time he came in, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, guess what, guess what, guess what? I said, what? <laughs> Man, me and Kobe worked out today. I said, you actually saw Kobe and you guys see he worked out with him? Yes. And we pro- he was so excited to tell me that. I was like, I think he got more enjoyment out of that than winning a championship. Wow. One day I had the, the real privilege of interviewing Gary Vitti, who I know very well. Oh, yeah. 
as a guest on this show. And One I, time I asked Gary Vitti. I yep. said, Vitti, because he's been around the Lakers for 30 years. That's right. From Magic and Kareem, he's been around all the legends. Right. A.C. Green, right. who never missed a game. <laughs> Played to all kind of Thanks to Gary Vitti. And I said, Vitti, I said, Gary, who's the toughest Laker you've ever been around? You know, like mental toughness, physical toughness. And without hesitation, he said, I thought he would say Magic. I thought he would say Kareem. Without hesitation, he said Kobe. Wow. I asked him. You've been around the game forever. You're a legend, Gary Vitti. What's the one thing that you, as if you can put it into one thing, what's the one thing that you can say about professional athletes that's impressed you the most? And he said, he, he stopped. You know, he was like a meteorologist. He was going to be, he wasn't going to even be a trainer. So he has depth is, is why I'm mentioning that. He has depth and the answer was beautiful. He said the most overrated thing in professional sports is talent. Talent. He said, I've, I've met athletes that could jump out of the gym. Mm-hmm. They go nowhere. The most important thing that I see is focus. Yeah, mental toughness. Where does that come from? And that, that is actually the intangible. So you wonder, getting, is it a blessing to be cut? by your high school basketball team, where most people say, that's it, I'm never going to play basketball, I'm mad at the coach. No, we all get thrown off the horse. It's, it's the successful people that learn how to get back up. So was it Kobe watching his dad have to play in Italy and not in the NBA that made him appreciate the journey that much more? Yeah, you know one of the reasons why I wanted Clay to be a Lakers so bad, because Clay grew up um, pulling for the Lakers, and of course Kobe was his guy, and why I wanted him to play for the Lakers. I wanted Gary Vitti to be the first trainer in history to be the trainer of mother, father, and son. He was my wife's trainer at the University of Portland. Wow. How about that? Oh. Before, before he took the Laker job. <laughs> I did not that, know that. Isn't that weird? Because <laughs> so she, she played volleyball in Portland, and he was the trainer of the volleyball team. <laughs> Isn't that weird? So I was hoping Clay could be a Laker so he could have, like, the father-son, father-mother, and son be trainer of. That would have been kind of cool, kind of like a nice tri- trilogy. Well, they just announced yesterday, I saw on Twitter, that LeBron James has renewed, extended his contract for another two years. With who? With the Lakers. Really? Yes. When did that happen? Yesterday. I saw it on Twitter. How come I didn't uh, see it on hoops, hype, and all that stuff? I'm uh, always on these uh, basketball updates. I think sites. it was a Dave McMenamin. I, I, maybe I'm giving the wrong person credit, but I, I love Dave wow. McMenamin, and I think he he's the one who announced it. And you know what I immediately thought of in the line of thinking that you're mentioning? Oh, my God. That means Bronny James. Uh-huh can play in the same – you talk about Gary Vitti taking care of the mother, the right. father, the son. We may be seeing the first time in NBA history where a father and a son are in the same backcourt. Well, that oh, is yeah. – LeBron said that's one of his goals. That would be probably his greatest accomplishment. He said that to, to play on a team with his son. Now, how, for that to work, if Le, this will take LeBron up to what, age 38 or 9? Maybe 30 – LeBron's 36 now, right? It's going to be 37 next year, so up to 39. So that means for Bronny, for that to work, for his goal to be accomplished, because if I guess Bronny's good enough to play in the NBA. People are projecting him out to be an NBA draft pick. He's that good. Hmm. That means they'll have to work out some kind of deal with the rest of the league. Say, don't draft this kid. He's got to come play with his dad, I guess, because some other team might draft him. Wow. And if LeBron's under contract with the Lakers – he, you know, then it won't be able to work. But I don't know. Maybe LeBron's going to play till he's 40 or 41 like Tom Brady. <laughs> Listen, 
If anybody can do it, it's LeBron James. Yeah, maybe you're right. With you that know? body of his, the way he takes care of himself. And uh, I'm not going to call it load management because when it's LeBron, I disagree with Greenberg. It's you got to give him. He deserves our respect of not being that guy. And when you're coming off of an injury, yes, you can't really question it. Yeah, I exactly. only question it when I know a guy's fully healthy, he's not hurt, and he's taking a night off. But if a guy's coming off an injury, you got to wait till he says he's ready. Do you remember Barbara Walters? Well, how young do you think I am? Of course. Barbara I know Walters exactly Hugh, how old you Bar- are. Barbara Walters, Hugh Downs on 2020 That's every exactly Thursday night. Right. Of course. All right. I can't wait to talk to you about that. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll pay some bills. We're talking to the great Michael Thompson, the legend. And again, I know a lot about the hip, but not the hop. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. With tinted windows. Can you imagine? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. While I'm in Italy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. I don't even care, because I can tell what's going on. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Last segment because there's a Laker game coming, and that's why we're blessed to have the great Michael Thompson in the studio with me, learning about life. Yeah. And I'm trying to... So, Michael Thompson, in your beautiful career, which was gigantic on every level. I had a blessed career, man. I think about it every day. And a blessed childhood and blessed parents and and upbringing. And you're a blessed father to all. But there's one thing you did not train for that you've had to acquire. And I'm here to say, not just because you're sitting in front of me, I, I, I enjoy your commentary so much. Why? You know why? Because it's not trained. Uh-huh. You did not go to school to be a broadcaster, correct? Out of flunked. Right. They would have told you, you need to be in this box. Yep. Thank God they didn't get to pollute your style, your technique. Same thing for me. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I'm not supposed to be on the radio. I have no idea what I'm doing. And yet, you listen to this show, you're going to hear me compare Dick Butkus to Michelangelo because they both hit things with yeah, precision. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the the perspective that I have is so different. So I've been highlighting who inspired me and taught me without going to school how to interview people. So I want to play a soundbite for you of Vince Scully interviewing Sandy Koufax. It, it, I just, you know, Michelangelo's dead 500 years. I can't talk to him, but I got you right in front of me, so I can't wait. I had a professor, Dr. Ranawat, teach me, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. I want to take advantage of your ears, that your ears teach me what my mind doesn't know. So listen to Sandy Koufax being interviewed by Vince Scully. Most veteran newspaper men around the ballpark were watching to see when you and Drysdale arrived which of the two had already shaved because it's uh-huh. traditional that the pitcher with the beard is going to pitch. 
But you and Drysdale both came in unshaven. When did you find out you were going to pitch today? Well, I found out when we got here. That's why neither of us were shaved. <laughs> well, you didn't know until you got no, here. No, Now, tell me when you found out. Was it in front of the entire club? Yeah. Did the manager go over or what? Yeah, Walt had a meeting, and uh, he said that he thought he'd like to start the left-hander, and uh, he had a reason for it. He said, if I have to make a switch, I'd rather go left, right, left talking about Paranowski as his last man if he had to make two moves then start the right-hander and go left left you don't uh, you don't change their lineup any when you do that this is Vince Scully observing you guys were clean shaven when did you find out and then the follow-up question did the manager take you off to the side this personal decision of who's going to pitch tonight you or Drysdale or did he do it in front of the whole team this is a Michael Thompson kind of question. Yeah, notice little little quirky things. Let me ask you a question, since we only got a few minutes. Jeannie Buss made her all-time Lakers five, favorite five of all time. John Ireland's done his. He included Chick Hearn on his top five Lakers of all time. Let's say my top five Lakers of all time, regardless of playing or front office or whatever position, right, for the Lakers. My top five Lakers of all time for as far as influence and impact on this franchise. Kobe, Magic, Kareem. Those are the three players, right? Yep. And then my other two, of course, are the two Jerry's, Bus and West, because those two built the dynasty. Who's your t- Who's your most f- five influential Lakers of all time? Court player or what? Broadcaster, front office, whatever. Because I'm a, a lover of the history and the importance of. As a sculptor, I start with a block, and you have to see the figure that's trapped in there. There's no doubt it's Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor? You have to start, and you have to watch that black and white film, because it wasn't even in color, mm-hmm. of he was a man amongst boys, basically. Yeah. He, where did he that's get That's one. The, Who's the other four? He, where did he get this creativity? So that's kind of where my mindset okay. is, is who brought something beyond basketball? Elgin Baylor brought the, art, the artistry to the game and was the first one. To me, the next one that I would have to say is Shaquille O'Neal mm-hmm. because Shaquille O'Neal taught us that it's joyful, you yeah. know, the oh, big yeah. – and he learned this from so Daryl Dawkins, yeah. from Daryl Dawkins. Magic Johnson, the creativity combined with skill set to be able to play all five positions has to be next. So it's Elgin, it's Elgin Baylor, it's Magic Johnson, it's Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. And who's the last two? Kobe Bryant is got to be there, yeah. and probably Ooh, the last. Oh, this, oh now who we, who's going to be your fifth? <laughs> well, you got a lot to choose from here. To me, I don't think, as a man like you, Michael Thompson, who has taken skill set from playing to now going to a whole nother field, like me, an orthopedic surgeon on the radio. It's a whole nother career, a whole nother field. Doing it that well, there's no one better. Than Jerry Buss. Jerry Buss. That's my top five. That's your top five. Yeah, a lot of everybody's top five would be similar or very right, different. Right. Yeah, so it's when, hard to argue about everybody's top five because they're all deserving. Whenever you meet a total stranger from now on, this is a clapper vision thing. You don't know them from a hole in the wall. You want to get up to speed of who this person is. I always ask them one question: not what's your favorite, but what are your top five movies of all time? Oh. By the time you get they get to their third movie, yeah. you know everything about this really? person. That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> so what's your top five? Uh, I love this Steve McQueen movie. Which one? Which is the greatest movie about 
Revenge. It's called Nevada Smith. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, you got to see that movie. Best ending in any movie I've ever seen, Body Heat. Remember Body Heat? Yeah, with, uh, what's the name? Uh, and Michael you, The Douglas, ending right? of that movie will blow your mind. Kathleen Turner, yeah. Uh, Kathleen Turner. Um, certainly The Graduate was great for me. But there's a foreign film that, that really did it for me, being a poor kid from New York who had all these dreams to become an orthopedic surgeon. It's a, it's a movie called Swept Away by Lena Vertmuller. It's an it's Italian movie with English subtitles. It is like the greatest movie. So The Graduate, Swept Away, Nevada Smith, uh, Body Heat, and I'm a surfer. So the greatest top five movie for me is Endless Summer. Man, you're, you're too deep. My top five movies of all time are Rocky, one, two, three, four, five. No, I, no, I don't know. I've never, nobody's ever asked me that question before. And uh, I don't know. I'd have to have a tough time coming up with my top five. Yeah, something to think about. And by you, the way, when are you going to go to Portugal and ride the ride the uh, you, you know those waves in Portugal? Yes, the hundred foot waves. Yes. When are you going to ride one of those yeah. suckers? Uh, yeah, I will ride it in my mind's eye. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's what I, that's the surfing story I want to hear, Doc. <laughs> or go over to the pipeline off of Oahu. When are you going to ride those I've done forty that. footers? I actually went oh. once, so I can sit here and say that I did that. What's the biggest wave you ever rode? Three times over my head. So that's 18 feet? Uh, well, probably 15 feet. What's that like? We're having that, all that water behind you. you. Your heart literally jumps out of your chest. Wow. Yeah, you guys are crazy. You don't see no <laughs> brothers out there. <laughs> Ain't no black people doing there that. There are black they people. There are? Yes, and in the Bahamas. Right 20, yes. 20-footers? Yes, they no. are. Thank God. We don't get 20-footers in the Bahamas. The biggest of ways we get in is like five, six Yeah, you feet. get hurricanes. Well, that's, you know, that's <laughs> nobody out there riding those things. <laughs> the great Michael Thompson, thanks so much for being with me this morning, Michael. It's what, such a pleasure. Warriors, next week... I leave you with Volari, by the way, the greatest song. Next week, we're going to talk about pressure points. You'll hear it in the promo. Until then, I'll see you on the radio.